Would you pray with me? Gracious God, as we take time to approach your word, Lord, I ask that you put me behind the cross this morning. Let your words and your thoughts be mine. And if I misspeak today, God, forgive me. Let your message be heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you want to join me, I'm going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. there. So have y'all heard the story of the woman who gave instructions for her funeral? As she was nearing death, she called her family in and she instructed her loved ones that when she was placed in the casket, she wanted a fork to be placed with her. The family thought this was odd and questioned why she'd make such a weird request. And she said that I've attended many church potlucks. And it's often announced to people eating, keep your forks, before a dessert came out. Something sweet was always to come after a meal, and she said, I want people to know that I anticipate something very sweet, something better. Our sermon text is 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8, and it says, As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From, there, from now on, there is reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I titled today's sermon, Finishing Strong. So we, get, we have All Saints Day that's coming very soon. Meredith's been talking about it. We're going we're gonna to pace the saints around the sanctuary. It's a day where we, where we remember the saints of the church as well as the saints in our personal lives, our personal faith, those who have gone on to glory. And as I get ever older, moving closer to my day of passing, I think about the relevance of this passage. I realize that that because I stand up here and teach and preach the word of God, that I, I, I will specially have to answer to Christ for the things that I've said. I know that my job is to tell the story of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, the story that Jesus sacrificed His life for ours. I have to talk about the goodness of God and to offer direction as we prepare people to die because be honest, that's what we're preparing for. We're preparing for eternity going on. And, and just know that I do feel the weight of the responsibility. When a dying person speaks their final words, they're often uh, thought of as significant, right? I don't know how many times I've read on the internet where, um, oh my goodness, what's his name? Apple guy. Yes. Where they've said this was his last word, you know. It was significant. Sometimes these words serve as a, as a revelation for those who are left behind. Something to encourage or, or teach. Those things spoken at the moment of transition are considerably interesting to most of us. What do you, what do you think your dying words are going to be? What do you think your dying thoughts are going to be? Maybe it will be something that you're seeing for the very first time. 
D.L. Moody, the famous evangelist, reportedly says he was dying. Earth recedes and heaven opens before me. No, this is no dream. It's real and it's beautiful. It's like a trance. If this is death, it is sweet. There is no valley here. God is calling me and I must go. Maybe your last words will speak of the activities that meant the most to you during your days on this earth. Dr. Criswell stated moments before his passing, are you here for the revival? What will your concern be in that moment? What will, will it be your job, the thing that you held for so long? Will it be your family, those closest to you? Will it be, will you be mad that it's your time? We be singing praise, giving gratitude to God for the wonderful life? Or will you rejoice at the thought of something better? Let's be honest, the chances are you're going to talk about, probably talk about the things that consumed your mind most of your life. Well, in today's text, we have those last statements from the Apostle Paul. As he, the words he penned to Timothy help us to inform us of his final concerns and his end-of-life approaches. Paul recognized the reality of the situation. He would no longer be in service to the Lord, and now Timothy would succeed Paul and take up this mantle. One generation succeeds another, right? One, as one laborer ceases to work, the labors of another begin to, uh, to do the job, and, and the work of God continues as such. The work of Jesus continues until his return. Nero had already pronounced death the sentence, and at least he would shortly render this unfavorable judgment against the apostle, and he would be executed in a matter of days. And Paul spoke of his own life as already being poured out as a drink offering. And this isn't the first time that Paul has, has spoken of his life as a libation. But it's in these words we're shown a way of looking at life and service as a Christian. Though casual observers would conclude that this man's life was in, in, in Caesar's hands, the man would review his life and conclude that the whole of his life had been in continual service and sacrifice to the one that he called master. He didn't look at it as a, as a, as a bad ending. He looked at it as a, as a great living. Now at the appropriate time, it was not that Caesar was taking his life from him, but that he was offering his life as a sacrifice. How often do we think that something is happening to us rather than we're giving ourselves for this cause? When Paul writes, the time of my departure has come, he uses this Greek term used as an action like, like taking down a tent or removing shackles from a prisoner. It's particularly suggestive of a view which extends beyond time and into eternity. It's not something that's going to end at that point. It's, it's, it's like moving on to another portion of his life, another chapter. And what seems as an ending to anyone watching this final drama play out was instead the beginning of a glorious new era. He was going to be in eternity because for the Christian, death is not an end. It's just the beginning. As Paul approaches this realm of death, 
A note of defiance kind of rings in his voice. He's escorted himself to the court of death and sought the king to exhibit his power. Carry me into the next world. To remove us from this temporal world and welcome us into eternity that God has promised. And, and that's the good news, right? When the death angel comes, he can neither steal our hope nor our victory that is given through Jesus the Christ. When I'm doing funerals, we always look for words of encouragement and hope for the family, those who have lost loved ones. And at nearly every funeral, I work this passage in from Revelation. Revelation 21 tells us, Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, I just doubled that, didn't I? And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. That, that's our hope right there. All of the pain and the sadness and the sorrow and the grief, all that's going to be gone. It's going to be passed away. Because God is going to make all things new. We're going to be new. We're going to be a new creation in Him. We're not going to have the same woes and the same worries. He's telling us right there that we're going to be alive. Maybe for the first time in our lives. Death has been tamed. His power has been harnessed to become the means employed by God to bring His children home. It's not something to be feared. Fear of death, terror of the grave, dread of the tomb, they've all alike been forever removed from the Christian, right? Because death has now been transformed. It's become the believer's escort into eternity, into the hands of God. Doesn't seem so, quite so scary when you say it that way, does it? Paul, in his reflection of his life, could boldly exult, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Through all the, the pressure and the persecution, through the trials and the testing, through the apostle had fulfilled the ministry that God has assigned him. He's done the work. He has followed through. He has finished strong. He was undeterred by the imprisonment or the floggings, the repeated exposure to death, the beatings, the stoning, the danger and multiple, multiplied perils. He kept his faith. He was, he was, he was no fair-weather faith. And he was no fair-weather Christian. He did it all through the worst. Someday you and I are going to have to review the days of our lives. The ministry the faith that we claim to carry. How tragic is it that many, they profess to be Christians, but when it gets tough, they, 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 they back off. They drop out. They serve so long as there's no hardships, so long as there's no conflict, so long as there's no, no rough roads. But when the conflict grows intense or when hardship is demanded, they pack up. They give up and they leave. 
The work of an apostle involves labor and sacrifice and danger. And Paul had proven successful at all of these things. I pray that we're successful in all three areas when we make our final report to God. You see, our God is a God of history and the gospel is handed down by one generation to the next. You're going to pass it down to your kids and them to their kids and so on. And the leaders of the former generations die. It's more urgent for those of the next generation to step up bravely to take their place. Timothy must have been moved by this, this, this gift from Paul to him saying, you're going to carry on for me. This old warrior had discipled him in the faith and he said, it's your job now. Who are we going to be asking to carry the torch for us? Who are we going to be asking in the next generation to follow me? Who is our Timothy? Think back, friends. Who led you to Jesus? Who introduced you to Jesus? Who taught you the things of God? And is that person growing old now? Is that person... Uh, are there years few left? We can't rest forever in the leadership of the preceding generation. There comes a day when we have to step into their shoes and assume their responsibilities. That day came for Timothy, and I'm asking you, is that day coming for you? It comes for all of us. Finish strong. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.